We're in this series on the parables, and the parables, as we have told and will tell again, it's, a, it's, a, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, why was it that Jesus would teach in such a way? Well, the interesting thing is that even today, for those of us who've had the privilege and opportunity of reading the Bible now for some time, most of us, at least a lot of us have, that we still read the parables and we still miss <laughs> the meaning of what it's really all about. Because last week, the parable of the prodigal son. Most people think, oh, that's just when you have a son or a daughter or a child that goes astray. And it was, that was the story. The meaning was that we, we, as spiritual children of God, tend to go astray from God when we're choosing our way and wanting to squander what God has placed in our care. And so today, we're in another one, just moving on from Luke 15 to Luke 16. And this one's a little different, a little kind of unique, if you want to say that. Uh, Money, money, money. What better title for us? Because... What is spoken of so much today but the economy and how we're all affected? And we are. There's no no denying that. We're all affected by the economy. And so money, money, money. So I want to give you two questions before I start this message that perfectly can resonate for you as we go through the scripture. Question number one. How did you get what you got? How did you get what you got? Now, the title is Money, Money, Money. But the application is, how did you get what you got and all the things that you have in your life? Secondly, how are you using what you have. How are you using what you have? So, how did you get what you got? And how are you using what you have? Now, another carryover from the previous parables is this. I don't know how it came about that humanity could believe what they believe, but Somehow there seems to be, at least from my observation, that there's no accountability. There's no accounting. Well, I'm going to beg to differ. I believe there is an accounting. I believe that every one of us, saved or unsaved, will give an account before God. One, the judgment seat of Christ. The other, the great white throne. But there is an accounting. There is a judgment. There really is. So all of us, whatever it is that we hold in our life, we will have to stand before Christ if we're saved and before God if we're not and give an account. What's that going to look like? Well, <laughs> it's going to look like what you've done with what you had and how well you've done with it. So, that being the case, 
as we move into this particular parable. Now he was also saying to the disciples, remember in Luke 15, he's talking to the disciples and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders. And now he's talking, it's almost like he's kind of pulling them aside. Guys, guys we, need to, we, need to work, we need to hone this down just a little bit. And so let me, let me help you with it. So he's got the disciples and there was a rich man who had a manager. What are we managing? Everything that God's placed in our care. Remember I talked last week about stewardship and manager and everything that God's given us. Time, talent, money, treasures. Keep the three T's going. It's for us to have before God, to be used for Him, for His glory, for His honor, for His kingdom, and to give an account. So this rich man had a manager. And the manager was reported to have squandered the owner, the rich man's possessions. Did you get it? God has all these possessions. And he's placed them all in our care. And this guy... He's squandering not his stuff, but what belongs to his master. If we're squandering our time, our talent, and our treasures, we're squandering what belongs to our master. And he called him in and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an accounting. (laughs) There it is. Give an accounting of your management. For you can no longer be manager. So just, just be blunt. How you doing with what you got? Can you stand before God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm spending my time, my, my time, <laughs> time, treasures, talents. I'm doing it for you. He says, he says to, the, to the guy, the manager, no. Um, you're, you're fired. Now, in most cases, you would think that would be the end of the story. But this one continues as Jesus tells this parable. So the manager now says to himself, what am I going to do? See, now we've gotten to the heart of the issue. See that big, big, huge single letter word there, I What am I going to do? The reason this guy was in trouble was he was concentrating on himself and his stuff rather than God and the things of God. What am I going to do? Quick phrase. I want it. I want it now. I want what I want. I want it when I want it. And the rest of the world can do whatever. I don't care. Because that sadly is a lot of the mentality of our world. Now, it's not totally that way, and we all know that. This guy says, what am I going to do? How am I going to take care of me? Because 
to be honest. He says, I'm getting to a place where I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm way too ashamed to beg. I've got to have a strategy for me. I know what I'll do. So that when I'm removed from this management, people will, be, will, will welcome me into their homes. See, his strategy real quick is, I'm going to do whatever it is that I have to do as long as I take care of me. <laughs> you know, do any of us have a little problem seeing Jesus headed to Golgotha, saying, I'm going to do whatever it is I have to do to take care of me? No, in fact, he looks at all those who have accused him, arrested him, tried him, and now are killing him. And he says, Father, forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing. See, our opportunity every day with the people that we encounter, and that doesn't mean that we condone sin or behavior that is so unbecoming, but our opportunity should always be, are we demonstrating or revealing Christ in all that we do? And this guy says, I'm just thinking about me. I'm taking care of me. So he summoned, and by the way, it depends on the translations, but one translation says he summoned each of the master's debtors individually. <laughs> In other words, he didn't want each one to hear what he was saying to the other. And the first one, he says, how much do you owe the master? He said, 400 measures of oil. Look what he says. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Now, he's been stealing from his master. That's what's gotten him in trouble. And now what is he doing? Stealing from his master to continue to take care of himself and what it is that he desires. And then the, another one. How much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. See, it's almost like he's got a sliding scale of cheating his master out of what is his. And yet, he's okay with it. Why? Because he's taking care of himself. Does that not sadly say a lot about how we are today in doing life? And don't misunderstand me. Yes, we should take care of ourselves. But this is such a different level. I mean, we want to make sure that our families are provided for. In fact, the scripture tells us that if we don't work, we don't eat. I like that one. And I know people are disability. That's not the point of this. It's when someone's able-bodied and they choose to be lazy. If you read Proverbs, you want to read, you want to read about laziness, just read the book of Proverbs. Like, man, yeah, so he says he's, he's too lazy to even turn over. He's too lazy to put his hand to the dish. He's so lazy, he says, I can't go out. There may be a lion in the street. You know, he can make every kind of excuse in the world to keep from doing what he's supposed to do. And this guy, is, he's finagling. He's, he's manipulating because he is so desperate to take care of himself that he could care less what it does to someone else. And his master, <laughs> the master sees what he's doing. He says, I got to give it to you. That's pretty sharp. You've acted, you could come up with a plan like that that quick and put it into action. You've acted shrewdly. 
Because you're doing what? You're doing just what the sons of this age do. They look out for number one. They care only for number one. In relations to their own kind, he says, he says, when you think about in another term for this, one translation said, these are like street smarts. You know, you know how to do the stuff to get it done because you want to take care of number one. In fact, in this parable, he says, in some sense, that's even smarter than the sons of God, the sons of light. Because you're just so quick to, man to manipulate, to control, to have your way to to do the things that you want to get done. And he says, do you make friends for yourself by means of the wealth of unrighteousness so that when it fails, they will receive you into their eternal dwelling. Now that one, I got to tell you, that verse, I got hung on that sucker. Man, I, okay, what is this saying? Well, it's really in this contradiction now. So we have in this world the sons of righteousness, and the sons of unrighteousness, and that's not gender bias, it's just who we are, male or female, doesn't matter. And it's saying that whatever we have, whatever it is that God has placed in our care, time, talent, treasure, whatever he's put available to us that we're to take care of and steward, we're to use it in a wise way that has eternal Consequences are benefit. Isn't that cool? So, years ago, the illustration, you'll see how old it is. Little boys headed to Sunday school, walking down the street with his parents. His dad has given him two nickels. Now, this dates the the illustration. This dates my parable. Okay. Two nickels. One for the offering and one for ice cream later. Yeah, I know. It's been a while since you get ice cream for a nickel. Got it. So he's walking down the street and like any child, he's playing with the two nickels. And as he's playing with the two nickels, he drops a nickel and it rolls over down the curb and goes down in the storm drain. He goes, sorry, God, there goes your nickel. <laughs> Ours may not be in a storm drain, but there have been a lot of times we've said, sorry, God, there goes your nickel. There goes your dime. There goes your dollar. There goes whatever. So whatever it is that God's given us, what he's saying is, we can at least be as shrewd as the sons of this world and use whatever it is he's placed in our care so that there is an eternal reward that we are benefiting others. We are ministering. We're helping. We're advancing the kingdom. We all get to choose every day. The first trip to India... Olin Roberts and I were there together, and we were in a train station. And there are, this was before they outlawed begging because it messed up tourism. 
And so we were being bombarded by children begging for money. And M.A. Thomas, thank goodness, was with us. And he said, whatever you do, do not give anybody anything. He said, because if you do, you will not be able to handle what comes next. You'll be overrun. And then I watched M.A. Thomas as he would move through that crowd of children begging for food, literally for bread, for rice, for survival. And he would just very almost secretly hand them a small coin. And he went through the crowd like that as we watched in amazement of how he was using what was in his hands, which was in those days not a whole lot, believe me. But he was handing it out to those children so they could go buy some bread or buy rice or whatever it was that they could get to sustain their life. So whatever God's given us, Let's be sure that we're using it for his glory and for his praise. And here's where, here's where the, the parable now takes the turn that it needs to take. He who is faithful in very little things is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in very little things is unrighteous also in much. See, he's talking about things that are temporary, the unrighteous, and the things that are eternal the righteous. So here's what he's saying to all of us. If I have placed in your hands money, possessions, whatever, and you are so selfishly consuming it in your own desires and pleasures, then that's not exactly how I, that's how I, <clears throat> excuse me, that is not exactly how I plan for this to work. Now, does that mean all of you should go rush out, empty your bank account, and go find somebody homeless and give it to them? I don't think that's what we're talking about. What we're talking about is if, if we can't be trusted by God with material things, how in the world can he trust us with eternal things? Do you understand that as his kids... What he places in our care has eternal value. Do you know the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, has eternal life in it? Do you understand that? Do you know that? Do you realize that? And so every time that any of us, at any point, that God provides the opportunity and we share the reality of Jesus Christ and the good news of Christ and all that he did and all that it means, we're handling eternal things. And what a difference that makes. In fact, he says, that's how we know who you really are, because this is talking about our character. Therefore, if you have been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you've been, un excuse me, if you've been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? He's saying, I want to pour blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And that does not always mean economic blessing. Because there is blessing that is beyond economic blessing. There is treasure that is not treasure stored up here on earth. It's eternal treasure. He says, I want to give you that so that when you go, when you go, you'll be able to share with others that which has 
true eternal value. I've given this before, but years ago, Kevin and I were here one night working late, working on something. We were talking to a guy out in Louisiana, I believe. I can't remember what the project was that we were working on at that time. And this guy, we've never met him. He was introduced to us by a, a third party, and it was something that we would need to kind of work together on. And so we're on the phone late at night, and, and we got him on the speaker. And this guy in Louisiana that we've never met, haven't met to this day, he, he gets real quiet. And he says, fellas, I don't know you. I don't know your church. But I want you to know God has given me a vision of your church. He said, what I see is God opening the heavens over your church building and giving blessings after blessings after blessings. He, he said spiritual treasures was his term. Spiritual treasures and the people who are there are getting those treasures and going out and distributing them for the kingdom of God. I like that picture. I do. And we've seen that happen. The question is, are we seeing it happen at the volume and the intensity that God's design is for us? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Can't serve God and wealth. God says, you divided loyalty. It doesn't work. You can try it. You can pretend it's working, but it doesn't. The Pharisees have been not gone, but standing kind of close by, listening in to the lesson Jesus is teaching his disciples. And they were lovers of money. Now, they're religious, but lovers of money. And they began to make fun of him. I'll never forget. I have an attorney friend in Columbia. He said one day he happened to be in the hallway and there was two other attorneys walking kind of alongside him, not with him, but he was just hearing their conversation. And said one of them was talking about another attorney in the same practice, which is a very large practice. And said, can you believe that guy? He gives 10% of what he makes to his church. Is that not ridiculous? And he said those two guys went laughing down the hallway about another attorney who was honoring God by giving at least a tenth. When we do it God's way, I'm just telling you, don't think that everybody's going to say, yeah, you just, they're going to say, you have lost your ever-loving mind. How in the world can you give away what God's given you and, and God bless it even more? Well, guess what? That's not my problem. That's God's. I'll let him handle it. And he does. And he said to them, Jesus, you got to love Jesus. He turns right to those guys and said, you're those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. Bingo! That's where I wanted to get to today. God knows my heart, and he knows your heart. He knows all of our hearts. He says, all you're concerned about is your image, your reputation, 
before men. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. What do you have? And what are you doing with it?